Fanning. Weekends on 2FM. Whether it's the Beatles or ABBA or One Direction, band breakups always provide a bit of intrigue. All good things must come to an end, and when a band breaks up, things can get, well, often very messy. But whether the breakup is the result of members leaving to go solo, the breakdown of romantic relationships, or ego clashes, artists deal with them in the best way they know how. They write songs about one another. Luke Riley is here now to have a look at some of the songs that were written in the wake of band breakups. Uh, Luke, you're very welcome to the programme. These days, Luke, you, uh, once again, these days, you're solo person you've got an album coming out in about six months time so you never broke up did you <laughs> so I had to ask that question okay you, but you were in a duo that broke up uh, yes yeah, so I was in a band that band, uh, yeah. that broke up at the end of 2019 so I guess I have a bit of experience in this field why did you, you break up huh why did you break oh, up oh you know the usual drugs and sex and everything all in really? between yeah. no no it was to be fair we had a very amicable Amicable breakup, you know. We we kind of just realised it was the end of the road and made a mutual decision yeah. to kind of burn out as opposed to fade away. Yeah. Um, I remember interviewing Black Sabbath and I was talking to your man, what's his name, Tony Yummy, and he was blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, we, he, he left the band, yeah, he, it was medical reasons. And Ozzy just leans towards the mic. Yeah, we were sick of him. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, um, exactly. let's take a look then at... Uh, some of the times that musicians told their bandmates exactly how they felt about them. Let's start off with the Beatles then. Why not? We just Why been, not? We've just been talking about the seven hours, yeah. It's it's just incredible. Like, I feel like we have to probably speak about Get Back for a little bit because it is... Um, By the way, can, can I still get other Kin's music somewhere? Your band? Oh, yeah, yeah you I, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. um, it's like the Beatles are probably the most mythologised breakup of a band in existence. So to have this almost like living document chronicling their final errors in some respects is just an absolute gift. Um, the footage is incredible and I think, you know, it's eight hours well spent. You kind of see a little bit of the of the kind of acrimony that sort of yeah. people say or talk about when they talk about the Beatles splitting up. But in fact, it's a bit more joyous and kind of goofy than I, than I had assumed it would be, especially compared to the Let It Be film that came out yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, like they're four guys just having a good time. Yeah, and but they are kind of, you can see the breaking up kind of happening in some ways. And also like this is January 69 and then that summer they were they made an, a last album called Abbey Road yeah. and then the album you're talking about came out in around April or May or June or whatever it was of 70 and by that stage they had officially supposedly broken up. But mm. the last album they made uh, they actually made in the studio was Abbey Road. Yeah. Now the end of that is not just perfect. What a sign off, yeah, yeah. Like a 17 minute long medley that ends with, I think, like certainly probably one of the Beatles' greatest guitar moments, no doubt about it. Um, if, you know, if people haven't heard the song, it's essentially about two or three minutes long and it features a solo by every member of the Beatles, including Ringo, who famously abhorred uh, drum solos but was convinced to do one for the sake of their final ever recording as a band. He takes it for about 20 seconds and then it's a kind of a rotating solo between Paul, George and John in that order and it's just exemplary. And of course the lyrics of what it's all about. It's what the Beatles always worry about and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make. Gone. Totally. Except, for your, except for Her Majesty but I don't know what that's doing I, in there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Same, yeah. when you say it's two or three minutes long it's not. It, it's, it's only 64 seconds long. Oh really? So wow. here we go. All four Beatles at the very end. <laughs> We'll have to get the line all right, Jeff, of the, of, the, of the last bit there, and in the end. Anyway, we'll get that in a second or two. Let's just go to the solo people that we want to talk about. Mm. Um, so it's, it's Paul McCartney. Things were bad between the Beatles, so when the solo albums came out. Totally, yeah. I think particularly between John Lennon and Paul, I mean, it's pretty well documented that t- towards the end of um, the Beatles' tenure that John was a bit fed up of playing Paul's granny SH1T music as he 
lovingly called it. Uh, but it was Paul who kind of came out with the first barb on his second solo album, which is called Ram, the opening track, Too Many People. And basically kind of talking about John and Yoko's sort of love-in phase, that kind of, you know, the proselytizing they were doing about peace and love and everybody needs to down their arms. And I think Paul kind of took it as to be a bit pontificating. So, you know, he's saying like, too many people going underground, too many people eating cake. And John obviously took exception to it. I think he's quite... We'll get to that one too, yeah. yeah. The, the, the one thing was that, like, I think that with Paul McCartney, he was just looking at John, who was being surrounded by an awful lot of people he shouldn't have been surrounded by. Every, any political cause, didn't matter what it was, there Definitely. was John holding up a banner. And really, are you sure you want to walk down the street with him? Yeah. Anyway, here's uh, Paul. Okay, so like he he sings that bit, and then John replied with uh, one of the most vicious songs you've ever heard in your life. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably to be expected out of John more so than anybody else in the Beatles. He was a man who was capable of delivering a slight or two, you know. Absolutely. But this is this is pretty like too many people. I think you, when you listen to it, you could be forgiven. It's pretty for subtle. It. It's very subtle. Yeah, mm. uh, and but John was obviously I think quite insecure and maybe read too much into things. But I think there's no mistaking the lyrical content of How Do You Sleep? Like, it's very explicitly about Paul with, you know, um, the actual explicit song references. Yeah, and the only thing you'd done was yesterday and now you found you're just another day. And another day was the name of the first song that um, I think Paul released solo or something. And then yesterday, of course, one of his biggest was the Beatles. But the yeah. sum of the stuff is yeah. really heavy. The terrible thing about it is it's a bloody brilliant song. It is, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm like... You know, I, I don't know what you think about the post-Beatles solo stuff. I think there's some... Well, this was on Imagine by John Lennon. And the mm. next stuff, I'll tell you, 80% of it just wasn't good enough. Yeah, sorry. You know, I wasn't... Eight years, you know. Until it got to Double Fantasy, I think oh, it wasn't God, really... Oh, God, that was worse. Sorry, the whole thing was <laughs> awful, you know. Beautiful Boy, Beautiful oh, Boy is stop. one of his you best. Know, I, mean, I love that. See, here you go about Beautiful Boy and oh, Yoko and all these things. People give out to Paul for doing <laughs> these kind of nice little songs about things. About, but he was just cooing all over his kids. He doesn't have to do it to us. <laughs> okay, um, here, I'll just give you a bit of it then How Do You Sleep John Lennon really heavy song From the Imagine album, How Do You Sleep? That's John Lennon. Okay, let's move on to other people about breakup songs. Where are we going next? It's Fleetwood Mac, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Rumours, 1976, yeah. was it? Yeah, around that, yeah. And what an album. I mean, probably one of the best-selling albums of all time and it's yeah. no stranger to anybody. I think a feature in every Irish household and just has some absolutely top-notch breakup songs. Obviously, you had Lindsay Buckingham, the guitarist, and Stevie Nicks, who were romantically involved since they were teenagers. Christy McVeigh and uh, what's his name? John? John McVeigh. John, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's the Mac of Fleetwood Mac. yeah. Yeah. And then you have Mick Fleetwood, who was also, I think all three of them were kind of going through divorces or relationships dissolving. So they had no endless amount of material to draw upon. And the first single release was Go Your Own Way, which is pretty self-explanatory. I don't think you need to pick out too many lyrics. To this is Lindsay Buckingham about Stevie Nicks, is it? Yeah. Essentially, okay, yeah. Here yeah. Goes. Tell me why. That's what it's called, Go Your Own Way. So was uh, Dreams was a bit of an answer to that, was it? I suppose so. Um, response. That was the first song that came out prior to the album actually being released. And then I know what's documented is that Stevie Nicks was not needed in the main studio at one point. So she drifted off into another room with a drum machine and a piano and produced arguably Fleetwood Mac's finest moment. I think Dreams is just like three minutes of pure But did Lindsay produce this knowing damn well the lyrics were about him? Yeah, he did. And I think he's spoken about that saying that it was very difficult for him. You know, he said, I was completely devastated when she took off and yet I had to make hits for her. I had to do a lot of things that I really didn't want to do and yet I did them. So that kind of dynamic, I suppose, came to define Fleetwood Mac for many years to come. And there's really good footage. You should dig it out on YouTube. They played, I think, the Greek theatre in 1983 and they're doing, you know, the chain where they have the kind of call and response vocal. But instead of delivering it to the audience, the two of them are side eyeing each other and essentially like yelling at each other. And it's fantastic footage because yeah. you see just a band who are. I always think of the chain as the Formula One music. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll give you a blast.
Brothers only love you when they're playing. Okay, from the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac, where are you going next, Luke? We're looking uh, at uh, break-uping kind of songs. Yeah, so 1974, Steve Harley, who was the front man of Steve Harley and the Cockney Rebel. Yeah. But before that, he was just the front man of Cockney Rebel. <laughs> and they they were kind of an up-and-coming act. I think they'd put out a couple of albums, but they had an acrimonious split. So a new kind of schism than you know, what we saw with the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac, it was where band members were just trying to get some sort of equal footing, equal status within the band and demanding that they be allowed to write songs as well, which oftentimes doesn't really go to plan. And yeah, in this case... It doesn't indeed, right. Not. Okay, great song. Yeah. You've done it all This is a little known fact about that song. I bet you didn't know this, Luke. Um, mm. Dr. Luke O'Neill, the man of the year. That's, oh, yeah. that's one of his favourite songs. Is it, I yeah? I didn't know that. Oh, it's yeah, a great song, isn't it? That's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on, tell me more. Where are we going next? Well, I mean, I suppose the next one I have down is The Libertines. All oh, right. Yes. Were you a fan? Yeah, I, I thought some of the music was good. I've interviewed them once or twice and they really, like, I thought, oh, God, let, let me out of here now, you know. <laughs> like 11 in the morning and they were on Mars, you know. Yeah, totally, yeah. I think they're still there anyway. Yeah. I mean, I you know, the, the, the sort of tempestuous sort of love-hate relationship between Carl Barrett and yeah. Pete Doherty is well known. Um, and, you know, I think they're actually a really interesting band in the sense that they were so close and symbiotic with each other. And they created this almost like private fantasy realm for themselves and their fans, you know, the good old ship Albion. And it was very much like watching an iceberg, you know, hitting Titanic yeah. in slow motion. But I mean, many years later of these things, like, when they, like they were still bringing out some stuff. Some of it's really good. Some of the later stuff that I don't think people listen to much. Anyway, this is the one you're talking about. Obviously, yeah. you can't stand me now. An ending fitting for the start you twist into a love apart your life fingers Shattered the love with the darkness of cast us on No, you've got it the wrong way round You shut me up and blamed it on the ground Called the boy kicked out of the world The world kicked back and nothing hard at all If you wanna try, if you wanna try There's no worse you could do Yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of see why they split up when, because um, obviously Pete was very deeply involved in. He was out there completely, yeah. you know, yeah, completely and strung out. Yeah, mm. yeah, indeed. Okay, the Libertines can't stand me now. Now you got, I know you mentioned Paul Simon, yeah, yeah, the only living boy in New York, which is one of the best songs he's ever written. Oh, actually. it's so good. Yeah, is it a slag of 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 Art Garfunkel or is it a? Wait a minute, you're going down to the south of America to make a bloody movie. I thought we were making an album. <laughs> 
problem here. Yeah. Is, it, is it like, he's wishing him well, is he not? No. I, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, the first line is, is Tom, get your plane right in time. Because they Tom. used to be called Tom and Jerry. That's yeah. right, yeah. And then he says, I know your part will go fine, which is a little bit condescending in the sense of, well, I'm going to write your part anyway, so it doesn't really matter. No, hold on a second. Maybe he meant the part in the movie because he was scared about oh, making the movie yeah. Catch 22. Oh, see? I thought he kind of meant oh, whatever it was your called, part in the movie. Well, yeah, yeah, that's probably... Uh, yeah. So maybe it's a bit of a... You know, yeah. I anyway, love it's such a good song. I love to play it. Anyway, the one thing about it all is, and I'm always getting into trouble in this program about it, is that one thing Paul Simon never needed was Art Garfunk. And maybe some of that yeah. high note stuff. Because uh, uh, Paul Simon wrote every single song. Totally. And, and Art didn't. And anything. It, it, interestingly, so they broke up when this album came out, Bookends, their final album. But that actually wasn't the first time they broke up. Oh. So they broke up first in 1965, just after releasing Sound of Silence. Yeah. Because that went nowhere originally. And it was only after Tom Wilson, who produced the song, got in Bob Dylan's band to put musical backing on it like drums and electric yeah. guitar that it became a hit and by that point when they went to contact Columbia Records they had said the band was no longer an entity right. and Paul Simon only heard about it when he was in Denmark and was reading Billboard magazine and was like hang on my song's <laughs> in the charts yeah. so he called up Art and off they went Yeah oh, and like they've been broken up and coming back together again a hundred different times totally, you know? yeah. here it goes great song Tom get your play If you put Simon and Garfunkel's albums there, which are amazing, and put Paul Simon's albums there, they're just as good. His mm. solo stuff is fantastic. Okay, let's go for CCR then. What are you doing with this? Have you ever seen the rain? As in Credence. Mm. Yeah. 1976, I think this came out. Um, and a lot of people assumed it was about the Vietnamese War, you know, which is which is pretty dead on considering the lyrics are about, you know, have you ever seen the rain on a sunny day? And a lot of that conflict was, you know, simmering, I suppose, at the time. Uh, but John Fogarty, the songwriter, said no, it was actually about the simmering tensions within the band. Um, and whenever you read about the song, you can tell why. He was pretty strong-headed. He basically said, I'm the one who's going to make us millionaires, stars, do what I say, or else we're going to go back and work in the car wash that they'd all come from working in. Mm. Uh, this is the first one where brotherly love gets in the way. Yeah, because yeah. Tom Fogarty was in the band too. And I think mm. he was the one who actually left. Um, but it's an interesting read about their their demise because Tom Fogarty has some very strong words about it and is very adamant that he was the creative genius and everybody else should essentially have been his side man. So wasn't he sued Tom, for, for, for ripping himself off by Saul Dance? <laughs> that was bizarre stuff. You well, know. Your man made the English patient. Anyway, long story behind all that. Here goes. So 
Yeah, they split up after that album, Mardi Gras. That's music there from uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, John Fogarty, have you ever seen the rain? Now, where are you going, Luke? Going a bit more modern. Yeah. No doubt. Don't speak. Oh, yeah. What a song. Yeah, Great song. it's a good song, yeah. Um, Gwen Stefani, etc. Gwen Stefani, mm. Tony Cannell. I think they were an item for many years prior to No Doubt and during No Doubt and then they split up So is uh, this her singing about him? Essentially yeah I think the song was originally written by Eric Stefani who's Gwen's brother and it was about something loosely associated with love but then she took the lyrics and rewrote them to be about herself and the guitarist um, and became probably their biggest hit and then they kind of trundled along for a while before they eventually broke up and Gwen became the megastar that she became you know Speak it is, and we're talking here with Luke all about these uh, songs that break up kind of things. Luke Riley, it is, and uh, there's a text there just about Pete Doherty. It says, I met Pete a few years ago backstage at a gig in London, and it turns out he's a massive The Hitchers fan, a really small Limerick band. God, they weren't that small at all. Ask Bob Geldof, he's obsessed with them. <laughs> um, it's all fun and games till someone loses an eye, etc. Okay, where are you going next? That's no doubt, don't speak. Yeah, back to the 70s, Joni Mitchell, with probably, I would say, the best song on our list. Yeah, uh, A Case of You, which is, you know. Her masterpiece. Just before our love got lost, you said. Oh, I so. was constant with the Northern Star. I tell you, like I mean, like you could take any song by Johnny Mitchell. True, you know? but I think this song, you know, <laughs> this, a, wait a minute, now would this be Graham Nash or Stephen Stills? That's right? the thing, a case of who as opposed <laughs> to a case of you, because it could have been uh, also maybe Leonard Cohen. But I think, yeah. I think what probably was most likely is maybe Graham Nash, who was obviously in the Hollies, had a big hit with the air that I breathe, and I suppose famously was in Johnny Mitchell's house, the kind of storied lookout. In the know, canyon, man. In Laurel Canyon. <laughs> and uh, met um, Crosby and Stills there. And that's where they first kind of harmonised together. And the genesis of Crosby, Stills and Nash yeah. was formed. It was a very fine house. There was yeah. two, two cats in the yard. Okay, hold on. Just before our love got lost, you said I am as constant as a northern star. And I said Constantly in the darkness Where's that at? If you want me, I'll be in the bar On the back of a cartoon coaster In the blue TV screen light I drew a map of Canada Oh, Canada Feet 
Oh, I would still be Blue lying. is the album A Case of You. That's Joni Mitchell. Where to next, Luke? I suppose we're going to ABBA. Uh, that's one of the more famous ones, all right. It is, yeah, yeah. Are you an ABBA fan? The end of ABBA. I, I, well, not, not really, but I think, you know, <laughs> they're the best of what they do. No, You wouldn't to... object to them at a wedding or anything no, like that? Geez, I'd be thrown out. <laughs> I'd never be at a wedding then because they're at every one of them, aren't they? Yeah, they Here, are. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to play a bit and you can tell me about it, right? Sure. Cool. They do make the old great pop songs, there's no question about it. That's the one where everybody cries, isn't it? Oh totally, my God, yeah. they're breaking up. Just yeah. tugging on the heartstrings. About yeah. Bjorn and Agnetha, who were getting divorced at the time, Bjorn wrote it in a whiskey sozzled state, gave to Agnetha and she instantly cried because of, you know, how it affected her. I think you can, uh, you know, that's well understood considering the lyrical content. It's pretty... Yeah. Direct yeah. and the Frank. winner takes it all indeed. Yeah. yeah. What about Peter Gabriel? You were mentioned Salisbury. I didn't know much about this one. I mean, I, I know yeah. the song, but I didn't know it was necessarily break up thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was the first song he released uh, post. I think he left Genesis in like 1975, After the Lamb lies down on Broadway. Yeah, was it? yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I think, became increasingly disgruntled with his antics. It was be kind of becoming the Peter Gabriel show a bit, especially I think with the live shows. He was wearing these fantastical outfits and all the reviewers were just commenting on his outfits and stage yeah. antics as opposed to the music. So they kind of sent him on his way. Uh, and this is a great song. Um, you know, it's So is, is Salisbury Hill referring back to his friends in, in Genesis who are no longer his friends? That yeah, are, are... It, the, the, the lyrical content kind of speaks to a change, you know, a change in his life essentially. So the lyric like, so I went from day to day though my life was in a rut. Till I thought of what I'd say, which connection I should cut. He was becoming increasingly disillusioned by the machinery of the music industry and wanted out in respect. And you know, what better way to show that than by writing a song and getting straight back into it? Climbing up on Salisbury Hill, I could see the city light. Wind was blowing, time stood still. Eagle flew out of the night. Salisbury Hill, Peter Gabriel, Luke Riley, good mind yourself. Luke, when is your album out now that you're one person, not other kin? It's coming out in June. Good. All things going to plan, which they hopefully should. All right, good mind yourself, Luke. It's a pleasure again. Thanks very much for coming in. Luke Riley, it is. And I didn't play that Beatles thing earlier, so what a perfect time to play it right now.
there you go the Beatles it is that's called The End and uh, Blood Donor by the way is the name of Luke's next project you can check all that out when it happens Dave Fanning Weekend on 2FM